0: Welcome to our podcast here at Hope United Church. To access the live stream of our services, along with other resources and information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. Well, Father, we come to you. You're our God, you're our Father, you're the one that saved us, you're the author and the finisher of our faith and we just come and submit our hearts to you our failings, our sin our distraction everything in between and we come to give all attention to your word tonight help us as we listen and teach us as we draw close to you in jesus name amen Mm -hmm. amen well these meetings really have been I believe something that God has powerfully moved through, which I'm sure you'll testify to that. And tonight I've been asked really to give a kind of reminder of what we've been taught so far. And there's been such a weight to these meetings. Hello, somebody's out there. (laughs) There's been such a weight to these meetings. And I think because they've been preparing our hearts for how we approach the one true holy god in fact there's been such a weight that when i was asked to to bring the teaching for tonight to kind of sum up what we've been taught so far there was that initial oh that initial terror like that's that's a weighty thing you know that i know john knox had a similar reaction when he was called says you should be preaching uh, i think it took him about a week or two weeks to seclusion to to kind of get himself together and because he, he knew what a call that was and the weight of what was being asked for, of him and I know for myself these meetings have helped me tremendously I'm sure they have for you as well because there is such a resistance uh, between our flesh when it comes to prayer there's such a gulf there you know prayer was one of those kind of things it was just like a looming guilt an ongoing guilt in the background because it's, it's that I'm a believer and I know it's something I should be doing I'm not there and I'm, I'm not practicing it the way I should be, you know, it's at the same time, there was no real solution and no kind of movement and no kind of resolution to, well, how do I get better at that and what do I do? Um, I remember in the past as elders, even during being a kind of reformed church, I feel like, we've tried to put things in place almost with a, a slightly kind of pragmatic approach um, not knowing how to approach prayer or maybe the need for it but we would send each other reminders and uh, points to pray for or pull one another up when nobody suggested any points to pray for but it, you know and that structure can be good and we need structure Um remember what John Owen said we were taught a prayer directory can be good but really the things that we were trying to put in place you know they were kind of in fits and starts because it just came short because we didn't understand the value of prayer or really the intricacies of what was going on inside us. And I think, therefore, one of the things that God's used to shape these meetings and help us become a, a people of prayer, which is the message title tonight, is our pastor's honesty. is his kind of vulnerability with these things that he's been able to use his gift um, being able to analyse and going on what was going on in his heart with his lack towards prayer and then kind of bearing his soul as he sought God so then he could find the answers that we didn't know we were looking for in God's word and bring them to us and we've been immensely blessed through that you know every week whether we've been learning of uh, our lack of soul bearing in prayer or our inability to sustain the prayer life or even the, the lack of reverence and how we are Approach a holy God our flesh, flesh's total unwillingness to even engage in prayer sometimes I'm sure like you you've sat under these teachings like I have and you've kind of thought that's me when you've heard these things you, that's the exact issue I haven't been able to put my finger on it in the past but that's what's been putting my prayer life on hold and that's what we've been receiving here and if we were honest you know these things we kind of probably knew In the background, we knew that we had a resistance towards prayer. We we knew we weren't approaching God quite with the right reverence. But let's face it, we can be lazy in approaching these things and and solving these things because they're just ongoing every day. And I think these meetings as well um, have helped bring a corporate conviction to us about these things that we should have been doing a long time ago. For some of us, a long time ago as believers. There's been a built in accountability with these meetings because they're about the same topic every two weeks. Um, So, by the time you approach your next prayer meeting, you're left asking yourself, or you should be, where am I at with what I was challenged just two weeks ago? Um, Or more likely, this the next prayer night's coming up. I'm lagging behind here. Time to get moving. You know, wouldn't it be great if we didn't need to do that? But there is that thought. Prayer meeting, ah, prayer. I've, you know, I've done so well up until this point. Just this week, I've been lagging behind. But anyway, anyway. But we've had ten prayer meetings. Can you believe it? Ten prayer meetings, not including this one tonight. So that's ten teachings on prayer. Almost ten hours solid of teachings on prayer. Which, as we looked at, the absolute labour. Of our pastor in the gospel of john this is another labor of love of our pastor to feed the flock that's what remember what christ said to to peter feed my flock tend my lambs so that's what our pastor's been doing for us we've been fed and we've been grown by that word and as i've been looking through what we've been taught there's been so much in these teachings so rich such a depth Um, So it's good for us to take a kind of cellar moment tonight to remind ourselves of what God's been teaching us. Because I'm sure we all remember every detail that we've been taught. And we're all applying it just perfectly. No gap between our wisdom. Wouldn't that be great? See, if you heard God's word and there was no gap between hearing it and then instantly applying it with all wisdom, correctly, and never forgetting it and never lagging behind. But it it doesn't work like that. God's word takes time to grow in our hearts um, and into the fullness of Christ. And with that in mind, I want to read from the Valley of Vision tonight, our Puritan prayer. This is from page 34. Uh, In my version, it's page 34. It's entitled, uh, Fullness in Christ. So before we continue tonight, let me read this out for you tonight. Fullness in Christ, page 34. O God, Thou hast taught me that Christ has all fullness and so all plentitude of the Spirit. That all fullness I lack in myself is in him. For his people, fullness as mine. As if I had it in myself because it is for me in him. That when I do this, I am full of the Spirit. As a fish that has gone out from the shore to the sea and has all the fullness of waters to move in. For when faith fills me, then I am full. That this is the way to be filled with the Spirit. Like Stephen, first faith, then fullness. For this way makes me most empty, and so most fit for the Spirit to fill. Thou hast taught me that the finding of this treasure of all grace in the field of Christ begets strength, joy, glory, and renders all graces alive. Help me to delight more in what I receive from Christ, more in that fullness which is in him, the fountain of all his glory. Let me not think to receive the Spirit from him as a thing, apart from finding drinking being filled with him. To this end, O God, do thou establish me in Christ, settle me, give me a being there, assure me with certainty that all this is mine. For this only will fill my heart with joy and peace. Amen. Amen. And I think, you know, it's only Christ that can fill us with that joy and peace. And if you consider the the first group of prayer meetings that we had, really the first, almost seven or eight, but certainly the first seven, they really challenged us to see in how many ways, how many clever ways our flesh was not seeking joy and peace and fullness in Christ alone. As our pastor said. He said this. Our flesh knows prayer is its enemy. It says in Romans 8, 7. This is from the ESRE. For the mind that is set on the flesh. Is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed it cannot. Galatians five seventeen. For the desires of the flesh. Are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit. Are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Doesn't that sum up our prayer life? Our flesh trying to keep us from what we know we want to be doing in Christ. These things I want to do, these are the things I don't do. Our flesh and God's spirit are so opposed to one another, so opposite, that even when we pray, we can end up praying with the wrong motive, as we learned. That's why we have to labour, labour in prayer to get past those selfish motives to seek God's towards that pure motive at times. Of course, at other times, and here, here's the other end of the spectrum, other times we can come with a pure motive, but because we come to him so many other times with our own motive, then we doubt, Oh, I've probably got our own motive again. And then you lack that conviction as you're praying. You're praying, I was, I was doing it on this platform a few weeks ago. Trying to pray for healing for someone. I don't know if I should be praying for healing. I mean, cessationism, does God heal? All that kind of stuff. Is that a right motive? There's a lack of conviction there. So there's always a struggle in this battle in prayer. A pastor taught us of how Richard Sibbs used the word speed. He said that God wants us to speed us. This is the quote, to a better way to seek him, to commune with him, to communicate with him, to be intimate with him. And I think what we've seen during these meetings is God speeding us towards a better way to seek Him through these meetings. For example, I think there's such logic in how God has taught us about prayer. So He's firstly showed us our lack. Lack of a pure motive. Lack of sustaining a prayer life. Lack in not knowing how to approach Him. Then after that, Bar was set, that high calling of Christ was laid before us, which is totally unachievable in our own strength. The last three prayer meetings gave us the tools and the motivation to make that high calling a reality. Not that we've attained these things, obviously. There was then a deep encouragement to understand that it's God that we're missing. Then learning that devotion will lead to more devotion as we taste and see that the Lord is good. Then we understood how God, in an act of just absolute grace even leads us in our inability guiding us as we pray by his holy spirit you know it's I, that it never fails to astound me that you know, we're commanded to pray it's something we should be doing and it's a sin that we don't do it as we should do and it, there's almost this expectation of well why would you help me then god when i've been so bad at this but yet he still decides to help us what grace what mercy is that just to read the scripture that we focused on, Romans 8, 26 to 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And that promise alone it's, it's just helped me so much to navigate that kind of trepidation, the inadequacy as we approach prayer. Also because, let's face it, our laziness can too quickly grab a hold of those um, those fears going, oh, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I will. And then can I be lazy with it? Well, I wasn't going to be great at prayer tonight anyway, so I'll just leave it. You know, those fears and those things, and then we just use it to be lazy anyway. It's just the battlefield, isn't it? Thomas Watson, um, as he was preaching, he was preaching his last sermon to his congregation before he was being basically ejected. He was forced to leave his church through basically government persecution, if you like. But he said this to his congregation. And not, not, not just a, a rosy, I love yous, I hope you do all right. This is what he said before he left. Take heed of a dull, lazy temper in God's service. You must not only say a prayer or read a prayer but you must pour out your soul in prayer. In fact, it's said that Thomas Watson died suddenly when engaged in private prayer. Imagine imagine meeting your Saviour, coming face to face with Christ when you'd just been in deep communion with Him in prayer. I think there's probably not a better way to go, I don't think. On the other hand, what a terrible thought, if you're kind of living in those times as if, Christ doesn't exist in our lives. And that's when it's your time to go. It's a great motivation to keep moving forward. But but thinking as well, back to that, the Holy Spirit helping us uh, as we pray. The very process, if you think about this, the very process of having to trust that the Holy Spirit's help will come as we pray. That process strengthens our faith in itself. So in other words, we know we're not capable. That's our starting point. Uh, We don't know where to go with our prayers. Therefore, it takes trust, it takes faith to enter into the prayer, trusting that somewhere along that prayer, somewhere into it, that the help's going to come. So then it's only after that initial trust, that act of faith, if you like, that we see the reward in the form of the Holy Spirit helping us during the prayer then afterwards our, our faith is built up because we've seen God fulfill that promise of Roman eight, Romans 8 to help us. It's also promised in James 4.8. This is a scripture whenever I've, you know, tried to draw close to God and I'm, I'm just nowhere in that place of reverence or anything. This is one that's often come to my mind. Jam, James 4.8. Draw near to God and He might draw near to you. And it's not... It's draw near to God and He will... Draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. There's no double-mindedness when it comes to approaching God. Draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. In fact, that is said directly after what it says in James 4, 7, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So in other words, as we draw close, we submit ourselves to God in humility, knowing our weakness, then we're strengthened As a result. To resist the devil. And he will flee. It's not a maybe. So prayer builds up our faith in such a way. Because it requires us to use faith. To approach in faith. It's like a spiritual workout. Now I I, I can sometimes. Kind of. Get a. an oh no reflex when I hear somebody talking about use faith and (coughs) trust God I get a kind of Joel Osteen kickback a little bit do you know what I mean put your faith into action and all that kind of stuff but it's we're not talking about anything flaky here it is God that gives the increase you know it's purely practical trust God as you enter into prayer God fulfills that trust because the Holy Spirit helps us which leads to us then trusting him more it's just as simple as that So if you do feel those doubts and those fears before you enter into prayer, those, oh I can't and uh, I don't know, just start by trusting that God will be true to his word. And on the other side of that, you'll see his faithfulness helping you, you'll be spiritually fitter if you like, and we're not talking about growing big people here, you'll become sanctified. And in order to kind of just tie things a little bit more together tonight and i don't want to be too long we want to have a time of prayer as well i'd like us to turn to ephesians chapter 6 um and to use this scripture as a kind of launch point to remind ourselves of some of the other things key things that we've learned over the past 10 prayer meetings and it is it's hard to sum up 10 hours of teaching um and not 10 hours if you like (laughs) you know i heard um Now I had a little conversation with myself before I came out tonight and I said Fraser you shouldn't dishonour preachers of God's word on the platform because I remember Sinclair Ferguson saying that uh, Apostle Paul um, he does Romans in an hour and Sinclair Ferguson says it's hard to do Romans in an hour and I was going to do a Sinclair Ferguson impression you can ask me after the after the service to hear the Sinclair Ferguson impression. Because <laughs> You shouldn't dishonour a preacher of God's word on the platform. There we go. But just to let you know, that's what was going on in my head there. So, as many of you will know, I'm sure, Ephesians 6 contains the armour of God, which the Hope Kids team were looking at, I think it was the first week of the summer club. Um, all I remember is the song, the shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness, and then Man 90s, child mind somebody's shaking their head at me because they know where this is going my my child mind remembers all those songs that were on the radio growing up the shield of faith blessed prayer of righteousness romeo romeo cowboy guy from head to toe <laughs> can i make it mad? <laughs> yeah so it's not just me then so it's great that what you're teaching them <laughs> okay it's great what you're teaching them but armor of god so it says this at the very end of the armor of god Ephesians 6.18 Praying at all times in the Spirit. Now there's no, there's no full stop. We're listing the armour of God and this is a continuation here. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. A commentator William Hendrickson um, says on this portion of Scripture, he says The Word of God directed to men is very powerful indeed especially when it is in close association with the word of men directed to God in other words prayer not as if God and men were equal partners but because the word of men directed to God is spirit given spirit guided so in other words when we pray It is a Holy Spirit-guided conversation with God in which we touch the things we need as believers in God's service. So if you consider the armour of God, which includes prayer, consider the armour. We won't read the whole list in Ephesians 6, but we'll touch on a few elements of it. I'm I'm assuming that we've got some familiarity of it. The armour is a, a list of the essentials that we need as believers. And what Singh is saying here is that God's word, when it's coupled with prayer, is especially effective in our hearts. In other words, prayer is an essential part of us putting on our armour. It's not the only part of us putting on the armour of God, but it's an essential part of us putting on the armour of God. So take the belt of truth, for example, being girded with God's truth, making sure our hearts line up with that truth, that our hearts are sincere that we have truth in the innermost being, that's the scripture that Hendrickson references from Psalm 51. So where are we at our most truthful? Where are our hearts most lined up with God's word in that place of sincerity, but in honest confession through intimate prayer? Now obviously that happens when we sit under the word, that can happen in a brotherly conversations and and even correction and admonition with one another but especially true when we're in prayer there's that truthfulness there's that intimacy there's that communion and our pastor wrote this he says as we enter into prayer with God and humble ourselves our God consciousness conscience grows our holiness and desire to live righteous grows I'm reminded of that Jonathan Edwards quote, I'll paraphrase it because my brain didn't understand it the first time I heard it. But he basically said this, he says that only we can convince ourselves of our sin because we're the ones that are living it. We're the ones that are experiencing it, if you like. So really the buck stops with us. You can have people speak to you, challenge you about your sin. Even during those conversations, you can feel like all the emotion and you know feel dead convicted. But if you're not willing thereafter, to repent, then there's no change after that. Bearing our soul in prayer is us outworking a willingness. It's an act of willingness to even enter into prayer in the first place to deal with something that you've been challenged about or you've not been truthful about. That's an act of willingness. It's where we um, get honest about our sin and it's one place where we can tighten that belt of truth in our lives. Though not the only place, obviously. Our pastor quoted as well, John Bunyan, the truths that I know best I have learned on my knees. I never know a thing well till it is burned into my heart by prayer. So it's through that prayerful confession where we are convicted about what's right. That's our God consciousness growing. strengthening us to do what's right. Which is, by the way, the next part of the armour of God, the breastplate of righteousness. The song is still in my head the breastplate of righteousness, protecting our heart from our own sin and then Satan's temptation of our flesh. This is where we see prayer as a part of putting on the armour and strengthening our resilience towards temptation which we learned about in the 8th prayer meeting. What about the shield of faith? We won't touch on every part of the armour but what about the shield of faith? How often have you been led in prayer to remember a scripture or a promise of God and it just... It just organically pops into your mind as you're praying. It certainly didn't prop into your mind when you were stressing out about something, or when you were arguing with somebody, or when you were worrying about a thing. But when you get into that place of prayer and you're laboring in prayer, then God's Word suddenly comes to mind. And it's amazing how quickly those things that are bothering you, those issues and the worries and the things that are bigger than God at that moment, All the things, by the way, that Satan is trying to inflame you about, to tempt you to seek comfort out with God, um, that's when we truly know that it's God that we're missing. And it's amazing how in prayer, just one remembrance of the truth of God's word, the Lord is my provider. He is working all things for good. And it's not just saying it in a parrot fashion, as we've heard in the past, like a slogan, but it's saying it with a a kind of realisation of that's true. Because you're in that place of intimate communion. Count it all joy when you, when you enter various trials. That's one that comes into my head sometimes when I'm praying. So the issues melt away into their proper perspective. It's not that they go away, but they find proper perspective. Prayer has caused you to use your shield of faith to trust God's word and extinguish those fiery darts of the enemy. Our pastor asked this question, the ominous questions. <laughs> Why do so many believers struggle greatly with pain and apathy and ignorance and repetitive issues? They are ill-prepared and they are ill-prepared due to a lack of private devotion. And again, just referencing back to the the armour of God, you know, that's our preparation. Prayer is our preparation in in terms of the armour here as well. Think about the helmet of salvation in this case. Why do we lack assurance at times but for a lack of personal devotion? Our pastor and I were talking, I think, towards the tail end of last week about how believers can lack assurance in their lives. Lack assurance of, am I saved? Because they see so much sin in their life and often because they're choosing not to act like Christ again and again and again. And it only takes so many of those agains before you start to go, well, that must be who I am then. You know, But if we were to sustain our prayer life to the point that it would shock our peace when we didn't pray, as we learned, surely then we would see Christ-like activity in our lives and then we would have more assurance as a result. Prayer and sustained prayer would be part of us putting on our helmet of salvation. And sustaining our prayer, that is a battle. We spent two weeks looking at that battle, in fact. And one thing our pastor said that I thought was profound was this. Those who usually have waves of mood swings are very much people who have no need for things when they feel loved and accepted. They only seek God when man and the world hasn't given them what they desire. When their wishes have been granted or supplied, they seek him not. So that is, that is challenging. But maybe we would have more assurance if we didn't only go to God in prayer when man had fallen out with us. You know, there... You can fool, no, I'm not going to try the slogan. I think I heard Biden trying, or somebody trying, it was Bush trying this slogan. You can fool some of the people, some of the time. I'm not going there. But you can't really fool yourself. Truly, if you're going to God in prayer, and in the back of the mind, you know, I, I, I only do this when I'm in trouble. This is, this is a God help me prayer, or I only do this when somebody's fallen out with me. I only do this when I've been corrected. I only do this when I've had a howler and I've made a mistake. But if we had a life of prayer, maybe there would be a different assurance there. Maybe there would be a different heart of devotion, which would then lead to more devotion. Our dependence would become on God and not on man. And just on a purely practical note about sustaining our prayer life here, um, and not to give God the dregs of our time, that that phrase, giving God the dregs of our time, has haunted me in the best way possible. um, These last... A few months, you know, I, when I get towards the end of a day and I think, I better pray. Well, am I giving God the dregs of my time now? <sighs> but on a practical note, as a father of two uh, loud, I mean, joyful children,
1: <laughs>
0: loud and joyful children, we combine the two, um, sometimes you do need to put practical things in place um, to make sure you sustain your, your prayer life. So if you're too tired at night after the kids are in bed, find time in the morning. If you're not good in the morning, find time at lunch. If you're not good in the morning and you're too tired at night, but you have kids that won't give you any peace, I'm not suggesting you leave them by themselves. You'd you'd need to care for them, but maybe you could find some time to sit outside in the car, lock the door, run away. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe, be more practical, put a movie on for them. Make that their device time, if you like, if you have such a thing, or whatever the thing is that makes them content, that's my prayer time. You know, I'm no use at night because I'm gone. I'm, I'm saying, God, and I'm falling asleep during prayer. So that's just on a purely practical note because we can be super spiritual at times, but there are practical factors when it comes to prayer. And, you know, we've barely scraped the surface tonight of what we've been taught. And as we, we start to kind of just close and wrap things up and we want to move into a time of prayer as well, if we cast our minds back to the very first prayer meeting that we had, Um, The very first teaching we received on prayer as we established our prayer meeting. It was called, that My house shall be called a house of prayer. I believe that is starting to become a reality. Starting. We need to make sure it continues to be a reality. It's starting to become a reality in this assembly of God's people. Um, We are becoming a people of prayer. Still a way to go, of course, but it's becoming that. And I think you see it now in our conversations how we approach the subject to prayer with one another. I think previously because we didn't understand the value of prayer, and um, we didn't understand it to any real depth, um, we didn't really know how to go about it. Then we weren't as forthcoming, probably because we weren't practicing it as much in our own life. Yeah. There wasn't as much confidence to say, hey, can you pray for this? Because you're going, oh, I pray. Oh, you know, don't want to touch that subject because I'm not there myself. But prayer wasn't the go-to solution in the past. It wasn't the go-to request when things came up. But now what you hear and what I hear amongst God's people, there's an urgency in how we ask our brothers and sisters to pray for uh, for us. You know, because we better understand the value of prayer. It's not a casual, aye, can you maybe pray for that? It's a kind of militaristic, listen, can you pray about that? You know, you need to pray. This is essential. It's life or death here. And we were... Um, at the end of our uh, worship practices we always, we want to pray and it's it can be ritualistic at times we pray God thank you for leading us and let your worship be good in this house and all that kind of stuff but we ended up talking about issues that were going on in our lives and we were just moved to go do you know what we're going to pray about that what? why wait, why wait until later, there's a, a believers assembled together in God's house or wherever it is, so we prayed about it at the time and um I think you just, you see that. We're now 10 teachings um, into our, our, our prayer meetings, if you like. And now that first prayer meeting, that first teaching is starting to become a reality. This is becoming a house of prayer. And so it should be. As a group of believers loving one another and driven by Christ's love for us, each bringing our petitions to the Father on behalf of one another, there, there's that oneness that Christ himself prayed for. In his high priestly prayer. And if he prayed it, and we know his motives are, of course, pure, then why wouldn't his prayers come to fruition? You know, he never asked anything amiss <laughs> out of a wrong motive. And therefore, we're seeing the outcome of his prayer unfolding. His prayer 2,000 years ago is unfolding right here as he is in the midst of us. And maybe the challenge therefore as we move forward as we go forward is to continue as it says in 2 Timothy 3 14 but as for you continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you have learned it we stand on the on God's word we stand on these amazing Puritans that know so much about God's word we stand in what we're being taught and what God is teaching us through our pastor let's remember and continue in those things that we've learned and that we've begun to firmly believe. Amen, Amen church. Amen. Amen. Well why don't we just enter our time of prayer tonight. Amen. Let's pray together. Hmm. Oh Father we we come before you just humbly tonight Father and we thank you that the reason that we call you Father in the first place is because you are working in our lives you're the author of our salvation you you called us and you gave us that gift of faith father and as a church and as a body believers you're giving us those things that we have a yearning for in our hearts and I pray you would continue to help us become a people of prayer help us to honor what you've taught us in this house help us to honor the depth of your word that we receive thank you for bringing us to such a place as this, for such a time as this, Father. I pray you would help us never um, have a familiarity or a contempt for what we learn. As much as our our flesh tries to draw us away, Father, I pray you would help us and keep bringing us back to you. Uh, Just wanna pray for our, our pastor tonight, Father, as he brings your word and as he goes and he studies Um, your word. There's so much that can be pulled out of your word, Father. I pray you would lead him for what your people need here in this house. For anything that is lacking in us, Father, for any sin that is holding us back, for any lack of knowledge of your word that is stopping us being faithful servants, good and faithful servants, I pray you would lead him to those things. We want to serve you. We want to see souls saved, Father. We want to live with clean hands and a pure heart, that we would ascend the hill of God. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Wonderful.
1: Thank you, Fraser. There you go. We arrived in, arrived in Switzerland and <laughs> we're going through the customs. And the woman in the customs in Switzerland, she just, I was the first through and she went like, Whoa! Very loud. <laughs> <laughs> so she's very loud. And then she said, What else did she say, Callum? You tell me something. Very loud. She was telling Callum how loud it was to him. And then he started and she's like, Whoa! And he's quiet compared to me. Yeah. Anyway, we've been. Uh, I've felt blessed, you know, and, you know, and I thank you for that presence. And, and you no, know, it's, it's, it really is no, about me, you know, as we continue and the turnout again night for learning and prayer. And, you no, know, it's good. Just for me, it's just good to sit under teaching because that's teaching me and learning. And I start writing notes and different things and right away at the Puritan you know the start of the Puritan prayer no two two things I've wrote them down right away Uh, this is what the Puritan who wrote that prayer whoever it is says he says first faith then fullness no and right away I'm thinking right first faith then fullness and the way my mind works right away is I've I've just wrote next opposite (laughs) no faith no fullness it's as simple as that if you feel empty it's a lack of faith no anytime we feel empty it's a lack of faith that makes us feel empty but moving on i just want to mention this uh, because i think we can get carried away with some things and i know we should be bringing all things in prayer and as fraser was mentioning there about the armor of god uh, and and, made, and the kids all learning that and obviously we were in ephesians 6 and i think it's important to remember and it's just what fraser mentioned that that, that brought this to my memory i had any plans seeing this uh, but one of the things that I think is vitally important is, is prayer's not about you. Okay? It's getting nothing. It's not about you. It's not about you getting well. Okay? It's not about you getting peace. It's not about you finding that place again of I feel worthy. Okay? It's not about I've got problems in my life, Lord, take them away from me so that I feel better about me and my life. Okay? This was going so well, wasn't it, until I started. You thought prayer was about you, didn't you? We've been talking for 10 weeks and we think it's about us. Prayers has got nothing to do with you. Prayer's about getting rid of you so you can serve Christ. Okay, that's what prayer's about. Prayer's about you getting over you so that you can do the work of Christ. Prayer's about you not being consumed with you or problems or sin or... Or failings or self or being consumed by doubts or fears and Fraser mentioned you know we were talking there and, uh, over the last week or two and I'd spoke to a few people you know about, about when Peter was telling people how do you how do you make your faith more sure well you act like Jesus? there's uh, any see if any is at this moment in time, like, I don't feel as if my faith's great at the moment it's because you're not acting in like Jesus that's it. I know it's no rocket science. No, you're just no acting like Jesus. See, when you start acting like Jesus, you start feeling like Jesus, thinking like Jesus, and start thinking, I must be a believer. That's, if you read Peter, that's what he really talks about in his epistle, in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. But when Fraser, anyway, moving on, when this is this is where, it, where Fraser and he, he stopped at verse 19. No, no, because he shouldn't have stopped, but that's just because of what he was teaching. This is this is where Fraser finished up to in Ephesians 6:18, right? It says, "Prayer always, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit." We know what that is. We know we don't mean that's gibberish, shabababon, in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication. For all the saints. And that's wonderful. But before that Paul's mentioned. About the helmet of salvation. The the sword which is the word of God. The the breastplate of righteousness. The gospel shoes. And he talks about putting on all these things. And then he ends that as as Fraser mentioned there. Prayer is part of that armour. But then he goes on and it's as if they say verse 19. Why? The next bit's the why. No and the next bit is this. And for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador and changed, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. This is what John MacArthur says, and it's in his his commentary, it's in his Bible. You don't need to go to his commentary, it's in his uh, study Bible. Paul does not ask for prayer for his personal well-being or comfort but for boldness and faithfulness to continue proclaiming the gospel to the unsaved, no matter the cost. End quote. And what what John MacArthur's picking up on here is rightly is when Paul is saying, putting on the breastplate of righteousness the the armour of God, and then that prayer which is part of the armour of God, is for one reason. I'm not praying to remove sin from my life because I want to feel better. And often maybe we've spent time in prayer and we're going, you know what, I want to be a better person. I want to be like, why? For you. For, 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 for a better life so that you go on with your boss at work. You know, take that away because I want to know so that somebody loves you. So that's not the purpose. The purpose of all prayer is to remove us so that we continue to do the work of the saints. No. Terrible guy, he'd be an example, but good point. This is what he says. No, Reinhard Bonke, right, I know. Terrible. Right. No, he's passed away. Te- Reinhard bonke says this. We're not churches, no a church with soul one in parts. It's a soul-wonning machine. Hm. It's a soul-wonning machine. Nowhere in scripture, and if you even look at Christ when he says, What is it with the ask for in prayer when he when he teaches the no no the, the high priestly prayer but the Lord's prayer? Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And I think I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray for all different things, pray for the sick, pray for that, and people and all that. So we, we ought to. But there's a higher purpose in prayer. prayer. Prayer helps you evangelise. Prayer's purpose is to help you evangelise. Prayer's purpose is to help you remove everything that's going on in yourself. Because what happens is we can spend time, and we probably have in the last 10 weeks, you know, I've got into prayer a wee bit here, and I'm feeling better a bit me. That's wonderful. No, and I'll get into prayer a wee bit here and I feel a wee bit more free in me. That's great. Uh, that, and all the certain things that start happening, but that's, that's no, that is no the, the goal of prayer. The goal of prayer is, is that we deny ourselves our selfish ambition, pick up our cross and follow me daily and we become better sharers and communicators of the gospel. You know, See if it's no about that. It doesn't matter. What did Jesus come for? What did Jesus come for? Who did he die for? Sinners? For what? So that we could have eternal life. Or did he just die for people to have a better life? Did he just come and just like, I'm not really born if you get to heaven as long as you have a better life. Not really, as long as you don't feel as guilty, that'll be fine. You're feeling a wee bit, I'm feeling a wee bit less guilty. I'm a wee bit needy. But I've prayed a wee bit and I feel a wee bit less needy. That's brilliant. That's what I came for. That's exactly what I came for. Uh, Jesus came to save what, that which was lost to, to one's souls. That's his purpose, isn't it? To take the sin away from, to take the punishment of sinners so that we could be redeemed back to Christ. So that we could have eternal life. That's, that's a purpose, eh? That's, that's a purpose, eh? So that we would then imitate Christ. Yeah? And we would then take on his righteousness. That's the purpose of Christ. If the purpose of Christ is to come and order to save the lost in order to one souls and lead them to eternity. Then our purpose in prayer can't be have a goal for anything else. It's the overall goal. Within it there are intricacies. No the intricacies like you know what I'm a bit selfish I need to deal with that. I'm full of sin I need to deal with that. But what happens if you're in prayer? What happens if you're spending time in prayer and we're going through these Puritan prayers and uh, working through these Valley of Vision prayers and at the end of it, at the end of it, you feel more loved and less sinful? Is that a result? Is that a result? I don't think so. Because you're already loved as much as you can be loved, so you just didn't think it or feel it, so that's, that's, no, that's no a result in a prayer. That's just, that's a result for you to feel better that's got your result but see then if that prayer doesn't lead us to then put on the gospel shoes if it it were see if the prayers and I'm challenged with this as well no because we can get so locked into prayer and prayer meetings that we think this prayer is is about us and, and cleansing us and making us feel better and making us feel more godly than we used to what if you feel more godly but you never tell people about the gospel is that godly What happens if you feel closer to Jesus but yet you don't share Jesus? What is it then? Surely therefore the goalie prayer is not to get you into a better place because you weren't in a good place. Your goalie prayer is to get you into a better place because you weren't in a good place so that you do the work of the saints. So that you do the work of the evangelist. See when when Fraser read out the the passage in Timothy, remember what happened, remember who you are, remember who you are when he laid hands on you, and then then as Paul goes through the whole process, you remember what he says as he moves on, he then then challenges Timothy, he says, do the work of the evangelist, stop getting caught up with people not liking you, yeah, you need to pray about that, stop getting caught up with feeling inadequate, you know, We pray about that. Stop getting caught up with feeling lesser than. Yeah, you need to pray about that. Stop getting caught up with that. Yeah, you feel that. After you've done those things, we have to be in a place. The prayer is to get us into a place to be the feet of Christ and the mouth of Christ and and to be evangelists. To do the work of the evangelists. And I just feel it's important that we say that tonight. That it's not just because... It doesn't matter. See if, see if you're all, all we're doing is learning about prayer, which is dead important what we've been doing and everyone's learning. See if that's all we're doing so that you can sleep better at night. <laughs> so that you can go, I feel, you know what, Pastor Mark, I really enjoyed the prayer meeting. I feel amazing now. That's absolutely wonderful. But that's not the purpose. The purpose is, so how do I measure my prayer life? I, I know this is a killer and here's a question. Know, this is the horrible, but this is the you bit. Do you know how you measure your prayer life as? You measure your prayer life. You don't measure your prayer life in how much peace you've got. You measure your prayer life in how much you're talking about Jesus. Never bother, never bother again, aren't like, oh That's me. That's how you measure your life. Because see, when you're as closest to Jesus and you're full full of boldness, what is it you're then? We're sharing the gospel. Now to put a buffer here I know people that's no wanting with Jesus but they'll just evangelise willy nilly but, but that's not a you get out of jail free card. You get my point. So when Paul says this when Paul says about putting on the armour of God and he says when I pray I'm no praying for me. I'm not praying that I'm rescued for this. I'm no praying that I'm that. I'm not praying that I'm that. No. I think it's right to pray for people that are sick. Let me let me just say this, and I was talking to somebody recently. It's absolutely irrelevant. See if you're fully in prayer, you will never go to an unbeliever and tell him to go and talk to Jesus. Okay. See if you're in a prayer life, you will never go to an unbeliever and say, by the way, Jesus will listen to you. That would never be on your lips if you were in in a full of prayer, because you would know that they don't know Jesus and therefore wouldn't you be talking to him. But what you would do is, is that you would become his representative when you're in that place so prayer makes us better in every single way purposely able to evangelise that's what it does so if we're in these prayer meetings week in, week out week in, week out and we come here because we're battered and bruised every single week what I heard a a guy in the last church I was in saying no we come to church on a Sunday after being battered and bruised for for evangelising all week (laughs) He wasn't coming to church after being battered and bruised, to evangelized. He was coming battered and bruised with smoking and drinking all week and no evangelizing to empty. That's what he was coming with. But for coming to church and we think, oh, well, I'm coming battered and bruised. No. When Apostle Paul was battered and bruised, he was battered and bruised for evangelizing. He wasn't battered and bruised because he was trying to deal with his own sin, really. He was battered and bruised through evangelism. He was. He was, he was punished because he's evangelism. He was put in prison because he's evangelism. Which just led him to pray more. So that he could go and evangelise. As I've been studying Corinthians. It's pretty. It's a st- I'll, I'll, I'll say one thing, right? And I'm not going to get into Corinthians. We've been in two weeks. But I'll say one sentence about it. See if you can build a church in Corinth. You can build a church anywhere. That's what I'll say. That's, that's how bad it is. It makes, it makes it makes the worst area in Scotland look like Disneyland. It was so bad. And he's getting in there and preaching the gospel. And his prayer life was purely consumed. Yes, I'm praying because I need to get rid of this. I'm praying because I need to get rid of this because I'm not evangelising enough. I'm praying because I need to remove this because I'm not talking about Jesus enough. It's not that I'm no praying to remove this because I want to be a better person. Because that's what you end up getting caught in. I'm praying to remove this because I want to be a better wife. There's nothing wrong with that but I'm praying to remove this because I want to be a better brother. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm praying to remove this because I want to be a better mother. That's okay. But see if that's the goal. Then that's a dead worldly goal. Huh? That's a worldly goal. The prayer is I've got sin in my life that's what stopped me. Evangelizing. I've got this in my life. That's what stopped me. I'm no free enough with people. That's what stopped me that. And we can get so caught up. Does this make sense? I get so caught up in what I pray for that I think it's somehow to release me the burden of the pain I'm in. It's not to release you the burden of the pain you're in. It's to release others for the burden of hell that they're heading to. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this evening from our brother Fraser and we thank you that you do chastise those that you love we pray Lord that as we enter these prayer times and prayer meetings and we seek you in prayer and we seek you through our trials and our troubles and our sins which we ought to you you are a high priest who sympathises with our sins you do care for us. You do care about our troubles. You do care about our battles. You do care about our lack. You do deeply care about the things that we battle with in a daily basis. You care about our our lack. You care about our fears. You care about our lack of faith. You care about all things in our life. You care about our worries towards our loved ones. You care about Our financial insecurities and hang-ups. You care about our health. You care about our choices. You care about deeply our relationships. You care about all those things. And you care that about the things that hold us back from those things. You care that deeply that our flesh flares up and, and becomes a stumbling block for. Purity. All those things you deeply care about. But above all those things, you deeply care about them. He frees from them and the burden for them that we would be ambassadors. That we would be partakers with the saints, not just in eternity, but in how we walk and talk and share the gospel with the broken and the hurting and our friends and our family. Heaven forbid, Lord, that we only care about easing the burden in people's worldly struggles and battles and yet don't have enough boldness or tenacity to dare to share the gospel which is way greater than that and we will never be able to do that completely while there's still elements and remnants of our flesh. Help us Lord as we move on to the next season in this church that we're grateful that you've established these prayer meetings and even, even just being here every second week is up to ante in our prayers. But Lord, help us not stay stuck and become comfortable that we think prayer is just about releasing us to a better life. Else will be nothing more than pragmatics. But the freedom that we need through its holding us back, the freedom that we need Caused by our sin and our lack. And the things that Fraser talked about. The, the unwillingness to. Crucify the flesh. is it's always the devil's work to stop us. And hinder us. In doing the work of the evangelist. It's to hinder us in daring and having the boldness. To be not offended by the world. But to share the gospel. Help us never forget. The reason we need to overcome is not for our better life but to one souls who are destined for hell. So we ask God that you would remind us of that. We do seek you in prayer. We do want to be more faithful. But for the purpose of your kingdom and the purpose of the lost sheep who are went astray and them who have not yet known you. We ask all these things in Jesus name. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for our podcast here at Hope United Church. If you'd like to get in touch or for any more information please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk